Everyone still awake? No, of course. Everybody said no. It's like, great start. I want to ask you a few questions, um, things to think about and ponder as we start the message tonight and enter this new series. Do you ever feel that you maybe get to the end of a day and you've worked really hard, whether that's at a particular job or just in general, it's been quite a busy day, you've worked a lot. You sit down on the sofa and you go, do you know what, that was a good day. I accomplished a lot, but then there's that niggling thought in the back of your mind that goes, but what did I really do for God? You know, like, I did a lot of good stuff, but did, did I do God stuff? Ever have that? Anyone ever relate to that kind of question, maybe that feeling of guilt that somehow you haven't done something for him in your day, even though it's been a busy day full of work? Do you ever feel that there's a gap maybe between what we do here in this kind of context and everything that goes on out there? The rest of your life seems to not make sense in light of what we potentially do here. There's a dissonance between the two. Maybe you feel that actually the rest of your week doesn't really matter to God, but the stuff that really matters is the stuff we do here. And this is important, absolutely, but this is just, just is the only important stuff to God. And the rest of the stuff out there, somehow, it's just stuff we do the rest of the week. It just pays the bills. It's just a thing to get on with during the week, but not necessarily important to him. Or maybe you don't like your job or what you're doing, the work you're doing. And that, in fact, what you're waiting for is that moment in which God calls you into some kind of ministry role, where you get to do avert stuff for God, where you get to be a minister or a missionary somewhere, or something like that, where you'll find more fulfillment. Can anyone relate to these, those kind of things? I asked at the start, because we're entering this new series entitled Fruitfulness on the Front Line. And I'll explain that language in a little bit, but this series is a continuation of the series that we did a couple of months ago. Um, in the evening, it was Frontline Parables, and in the morning series, it was Life on the Front Line. And we'll look at that language in just a moment, but the hope and desire of this series is that you'll begin to see, we'll begin to see as a congregation, we'll begin to truly own the fact that all of our lives matter to God, right? It's not just here, it's not just this stuff, and this stuff is so important. I'm not underplaying that by any means, shape, or form. But the stuff you do out there, the seemingly insignificant things that we do each day, the little tasks we get on with are important to him. And not only that, no matter what job you're in, or what what you're doing throughout the day, God calls us to be in those positions, in those contexts. He's already working and changing the lives of the people that you're around. And in fact, we get to join him in that mission. So it's not about us as pastors and missionaries going off to different cu- countries, but every single one of us is called to be on mission for God. Every single person in this room is called by God to be working in the context that you're in, whatever that is, for him, and to be seeing him transform and change the lives of the people that you're around. That must be, surely, something that gets you inspired, right? Something that makes you think differently about the tasks that you do and the things you're involved with. So let me explain some of this language, frontline and fruitfulness. Frontline is a language that we're using to describe essentially the out there stuff, the stuff you do every single day, the context in which you come in contact with people who, who don't have faith, these kind of areas at your, your, your local supermarket, when you go to the sports center in the evening, when you go for a drink with your friend at the pub at night, when you, when you see your family, when you have meals with friends, wherever it is, whatever you do, it's those kind of contexts outside of the direct church stuff, if you like. And by fruitfulness, what we mean is, is in producing fruit for God. If we're changed and transformed by him, we're told throughout scripture that then we should produce fruit for God in these different contexts. So essentially, bringing glory to God in our everyday lives is what we mean by fruitfulness. So the question is, are we fruitful on our front line? Are we fruitful out there? Are we seeing God's name lifted high in everything that we do out there in these different contexts? Because what we, what we want to explore a little bit during this series is that being fruitful for God isn't just about 
You know that moment when you're in a conversation and you're looking for every single opportunity to kind of get Jesus in there? It's not just about those conversations. Those things are awesome. And when you find those moments where you stand with someone or you sit with someone and it just comes up naturally in conversation and the next thing you know they're opening up about their life and you're talking about God and it flows so beautiful. But those conversations obviously don't always happen. So how else are we fruitful on our front line? What else are we doing for God? What else does fruitfulness look like in these everyday contexts? So we're going to be looking over this coming series at six M's. It should come up on the screen. Clive, is, from, from what I told you earlier, wasn't able to do his one last week. So he'll be doing modeling godly character um, at the end of this particular series. So we're looking at good work tonight. And the aim is to ask yourself that question. Am I modeling godly character on my front line? Am I making good work? Am I ministering grace and love? Am I molding culture? Am I a mouthpiece for truth and justice? Am I a messenger of the gospel? We recognize that these are not necessarily everything that is is in, in regards to producing fruit on your front line, but these are some of the things that we do in producing fruit on our front line. So when you're at work and you see your boss being particularly horrible to one colleague, are you standing up? Are you being a mouthpiece for truth and justice in those moments? Or when, or when you're, you're, you're out about and, and there's that guy that everyone ignores because they think he's a little bit weird. And actually, are you showing ministry, ministering grace and love in that context? Are you being gracious and loving to that particular person? But what we don't want to do in this series, and what I hope you're not thinking already, is looking at that and going, really? Like, we already feel you give us a million different things to do. And now you're adding six specific things that we're going to be doing in one series? It's ridiculous. How can one mind possibly comprehend all these things? It was Chris, actually, in an elders meeting a while ago, talked about the fact that that actually what we're doing in these series is acknowledging that we're kind of doing this stuff already. But are you owning that? So what we're trying to do, to a certain extent, is give you a new lens to view what you're kind of already doing and then leaning into that and really owning these things. So you're probably already in your context um, standing up for injustice and being a mouthpiece for truth. You're probably, probably already ministering grace and love in many different ways. But then you begin to see that you do this and you begin to imagine your day not just as, as separate from the church or not God's stuff, but suddenly all of that smaller stuff you do as you begin to see it through this lens seems to make sense and you go, do you know what? These tasks that normally bore me are now exciting because I'm not just doing them for me, I'm doing them for God, I'm doing them because they fit into the biggest, bigger purpose of his plans for us. So there's not a dissonance between the church and the rest of our lives, but the two make sense as a whole. And in fact, we get excited because this Jesus stuff is, do you know what? If this Jesus stuff is just about doing stuff at church, then I want out. I'm not going to lie to you. That sounds really boring. But if this Jesus stuff is about whole life adventure stuff in which we see him transform people's lives and change culture and stand up for injustice, and we get to see people transform not just for, for heavenly realms in the future, but now in this life, we get to see them living fulfilled lives, boom. I'm going to say, I don't want to say that word too much. I've well overused it. But I'm saying it in that context because it makes sense. Right? Are you excited about that? Awesome. <laughs> I believe you. I believe you. So are you making good work on your front line? We're going to be looking at this second M. Are you making good work on your front line? And I have two points, only two points this evening. And the first is this. Our good work matters to God. Our good work matters to God. I remember um, a while ago, <laughs> it's worrying how many stories this is the context, but I was in a pub and I was ordering a drink 
And I was chatting to this guy at the bar, and, and, and we were talking about the fact he's in between jobs at the time. And I was wondering what he was doing in the future. And, and, and I said to him, so what's your dream job? What do you, what do you really, if you had any job you could possibly have, what would it be? And he said, well, mate, he said, I'd, I'd love to get paid for doing nothing. I mean, that's the dream, right? <laughs> Who wants to get paid for doing a job? And I remember going, really? Like, that's, that's, I can't think of anything worse. Like, it might be amazing for a little period of time to be paid for doing nothing. Like, if you've seen Jeeves and Worcester, I mean, that seems to be a lot of fun. He seems to cause a lot of chaos having that money and, and nothing really to do with it. But as, as, as a way of life, there seems no fulfillment there. You're not necessarily contributing anything to society, but just receiving. Because it seems that work is, is so important, but ingrained in who we are. Would you agree? There's something about us that we want to work. We want to create. We want to nurture. We want to fix. We want to build. We want to make. We want to do things. We want to work. And again, by, by work here, I'm not talking just about professional jobs, if you like, or the job that you go to on a weekly basis, but for any kind of work, caring for your children. Maybe it's, it's making a house a home. Maybe it's providing a place in which people can come and have some food. Maybe you're a great host. That's your form of work. So where do we get this desire to work from? We get it from the God in whom we're made in his image, right? We worship a, a creative God, a God who works in incredible ways. Do you ever just look at creation and go, wow, like, you made that. Like the fly that you're about to swat. And if you look at the fly for a brief second, you go, the detail of that bad boy is insane. Like the eyes and I was, as I was talking about this earlier, I found a dead fly on the side of the windowsill. And I started analyzing. I was blown away by this dead fly. The detail that our God is so great, so creative and works so hard. And we see this in Genesis. Six days he worked, on the seventh he rested. Now, I'm not necessarily saying this is a, a literal document of, of what happened, but it, it tells us a story that paints a picture of what the God we worship is like. And we know our God is a God of work. And he creates humans in this, in this context in which he's, produ- he's produced the possibility for them to flourish. He doesn't place them in the chaos of the world as it originally began, without night, without day, without breath to breathe in. But, but humans are, are placed into this beautiful garden in which they can flourish. There's, there's food to eat. There's, there's company. There's, there's night and there's day. There's vegetation. He gives them the things they need. God creates order out of chaos. He seems to bring joy and, and create beauty. He creates all of these things in which we can flourish. And we see this throughout Genesis. And he, and he, cre- he provides for us as well in so many different ways. So our God is creative. Our God is a God of work. And he calls um, Adam in this particular story to work. He's worked, and he calls him to work the land in Eden. We see that in Genesis 2.15. He's to keep, and he's to till this particular land. So like God works, Adam is also to work. So being made in the image of God, then, this good work that we see in God, we're meant to begin to put in practice in our lives. So if God creates this context for us to flourish as human beings then we're also to work to create a context for others to flourish, to to create order in the chaos for other people, to create joy in their lives, to create beauty, to provide for them in various ways. Right? So work is good. Work is of God. There is something about work that is ingrained in our lives and is given by the designer, by the God that we worship. Our good work matters to God. I remember um, I was... 
really challenged actually by this message this week because I um, phoned my mum up far too. I, mean, I should phone her up a lot more. This is my mum here. She's a beaut. She's going to kill me if she found out I put that picture up. But it's her Facebook profile, so I figured it was okay. Um, she is, I do get my ginger hair from her, believe it or not. You wouldn't see it in that line. It's eventually, I don't know why I'm telling you that I am. Awkward, moving on. So, the point that really struck with me is that um, I was phoning my mum, and, and one time she phoned me up, and she started talking about the fact that she'd been asked, she works at a care home, and she'd been asked to do massage. She's a, a masseuse, which you thought would be great to have a mum that's a masseuse. It's really weird having a massage for my mum. I'm not going to lie. So it's not a particular benefit at all. <laughs> it's not the person you want a massage from. It's just, it's just weird. Um, but she, she, she does massage in this. It's been asked to do massage in this care home. And she's also been asked um, to do a Bible study with them. I remember she told me this. And I was so excited. I was like, Mum, like, you're an example. I'm going to use your story in a sermon sometime because we're doing this stuff about fruitfulness in the front line. And you're doing Bible studies with people in your workplace. That's so cool. And every time I phoned her up, I'd be like, oh, mum, so tell me about the Bible study. What's going on? What's happening in the Bible study? And I was really challenged by this message because I completely ignored the rest of her job. She'd just been told me that she'd been asked to be a masseuse for the, for the clients at this care home. That's amazing. She tells me that she enjoys taking care of the people in this home. She takes pride, not in a, in a, in a negative way, but in a, in, a, in a positive way, because she works hard at loving and caring for the people in this home. And yet I completely ignored all of that, because for me, what was important was she was doing a Bible study. She was doing directly avert God's stuff in this workplace. I had to phone her up and apologize, because, I mean, she is making such a difference in that place whether it's overtly for God in that sense or not. And people will notice those good deeds and go, why do you work so hard? Why do you care so much? And she's able to say, do you know what? I do it because I worship a God who loves me. And I want to show some of that love to the people that I work for. Her work is good. And the work we do is good in our workplaces. When you work hard, you're doing it for God. You are contributing to other people's lives. This is part of what it means to be fruitful on your front line. So I want to ask you, in what you do, do you know how much good your good work matters to God. Do you know that when you choose amongst other colleagues to serve a client honestly and with respect, that matters to God? When you choose to really care for your children, give them the best education and feed them nutritionally in the way you can, that really matters to God. When you do your best in your exams and you work hard at university or college or wherever it is, that good work really matters to God. Our good work matters to him. Mark Green, um, who kind of wrote a lot of the, the stuff that we're looking at over this series, wrote a book called Fruitfulness on the Front Line, Making a Difference Where You Are. And I love a story that he writes in this book because apparently he loves organizing biscuits. So when people come around um, for lunch or for, for coffee or something, he will spend, and he says, a long time getting different color biscuits, getting different tasting biscuits, and always organizing them into these beautiful patterns on the plate. Most of us throw the custard creams on, job done. But he organizes them into this beautiful pattern and takes great joy in doing that. And he says when he brings them out, people look at them, they smile, they enjoy the pattern. I mean, they eat them, of course they do, and it's a nice biscuit, but they enjoy it. And for that moment, there's something about the fact they go, he, he did that for me. You know, he made that pattern for me. He created something beautiful because he thought I would enjoy that. And I love what he says in regards to his biscuits. <laughs> I do say some really weird stuff at the front. Yeah, that's, that's very true. 
<laughs> There's joy in seeing something usually random, randomly arranged turned into something satisfying. And dare I say it, even beautiful. There's a joy when something ordinary is done as if it were important. I know it's just biscuits. I know someone who doesn't know Jesus can create beautiful patterns. I know it seems trivial. And then I look at the extraordinary, delicate patterns of veins on a single red leaf of the Asa tree in my neighbor's front garden. And God takes my breath away. Work is how we make ourselves useful to other people and bring joy and beauty. Work is service. And though we may serve others through it, ultimately, as Colossians 3 verse 24 clarifies, whoever our earthly boss, it is the Lord Christ we are serving. Isn't that cool? That those tasks that we do every day, the ones even that we find boring and that we can't be bothered doing, imagine if we started reimagining them and that we do them because we we can bring joy, we can bring beauty in those small moments that seem insignificant. And Mark Green leads me perfectly onto the, the second point, which is our good work is done for God. Our good work matters to God and our good work is done for God. Colossians 3 Verse 23 to 24. If you have your Bibles on you. It says this. Whatever your task, put yourselves into it as done for the Lord and not for your masters. Since you know that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, you serve the Lord Christ. Let me read that again. Whatever task, whatever task you put yourselves into, as done for the Lord and not for your masters, since you know that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, you serve the Lord Christ. Paul is writing a letter to the Christian, Christian slaves in Colossae, and he's encouraging them, no matter how your masters are treating you, however you're being treated in the context you're in, continue to do good work, continue to, to work hard, continue to be the best slave you possibly can be. Why? Because you're not serving that person who treats you horrifically, but you're serving God. He's the person whom you do this work for. He's the person in whom you're serving. So make it count. Do your good work for him. And also there's a sense in which the more they do this good work, the more despite the abuse they're receiving, they they continue to do this good work, continue to be the best slave they can. People will see that and start asking, why are you still doing that when you're being treated this way? And ultimately out of that comes the answer, because I worship God, because I'm doing it for him. And as a consequence, that will cause them to praise. Matthew 5 verse 16 says this, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So do you work as if working for God? Do you do those tasks every day as if you're doing them for him? I found this liberating because believe it or not, the life of a minister isn't all celebrities and stardom. (laughs) Any of you thought that, we will talk about ministry afterwards and I'll explain what this job really requires. There are aspects of the role that are boring. Emails, for example, I mean, I'm, I'm not the only one that can receive that. Surely there's others in this room who absolutely, I passionately hate emails. Uh, I, think, I, think they're, I, I think they're evil, actually. I think we need to redeem them in some way. There's something about emails that are horrific. And 
I've been challenged to think, actually, that's part of the reason I come up with troubles in ministry is because I so hate emails that I get through them as quickly as possible, skim read things, and as a consequence, I miss the really important thing that the email is trying to communicate. So I was challenged in reading this. Why do I not take time over that? Why do I not give that as good work? Because I'm not just doing it for the sake of getting Clive not annoyed at me. I'm doing it because I'm serving God. That's the ultimate purpose. And I take care in the other things I do. Why aren't I taking care in these areas of life? Now, there's times we need to rush things. I'm not saying everything's going to be perfect or to encourage all of us to be perfectionists by any means, shape, or form. But it's that reminder that the good work we do is ultimately for God. And these small tasks that seem insignificant are for him. So surely we should be doing them to the best of our ability. I have a friend called Amy. And um, when she was going into, she was doing like a gap year between before she went to university and she went to this um, Christian drama school thing. And they would go around different schools and do Christian drama as a chance to evangelize in these, in these schools. And she felt really challenged when she started this year out to serve God in a way that she wouldn't normally serve him. So she began to clean the toilets. That's what she felt called to do. She genuinely felt called to clean the toilets as part of her role. And at the start, she hated it. She, cleaned, she told me as well in, in, the, in the text, she cleaned the men's toilets. And if you've ever cleaned men's toilets, I mean, that is serving. That is serving. Anyone who does that in this room, my metaphorical hat comes off to you. That is an amazing job. And she really struggled with it at the start. She hated it, in fact. But as she was challenged by God during this gap year, she began to put her Christian music on. And she would do the toilets, and suddenly this act of frustration that she hated, that she never really wanted to do, can... became became suddenly an act of praise. And as she was doing it, she was singing songs of praise to God. And suddenly she really saw it as not something she just wanted to do to get it over and done with, but she really wanted to do it well because she knew that other people would be coming into the bathroom. And she wanted them to to enjoy the bathroom experience or at least to know, I don't, I don't know, I mean, but, but at least it was clean and she, could, she, she had contributed that. She had made their life a bit nicer. There's nothing worse than going into a dirty toilet, right? And, and she had made, made it nicer. She had done something there. She praised God in the cleaning of the toilets. And that blows my mind to a certain extent. If a task such as that can be done for his glory with him in mind to praise him because we serve him and that could be seen as good work, wow. Imagine we start applying this to the rest of our lives and everything we're doing in our day suddenly has new meaning and purpose because it matters to him and because we're doing it for him. I want to finish with the words of, um, that Mark Green says. These are pretty cool. What might happen if we invite God into our tasks? The ones we find difficult and the ones we find easy. What amazing things might happen if we ask Jesus to come into things we already do quite well actually. Might it be just a smidgen better? Might it be an awful lot better? Might the response of others be much more positive? Might he teach us something? Might he do a miracle? When God gets involved in our tasks on the front line, who knows what might happen? So I want to finish. Um, I, that was the last bit. Don't worry. I, I know when someone says they want to finish, they've got another 20 points to contribute. That was the end. But I want, I want to have a time of discussion where you get a chance to maybe think about some of these things. Now, the language might be fresh and new. If you are new here tonight and, and you don't really want to get involved in this, feel free to sit by. Just tell the people around you that you don't really want to be involved. Um, but it'd be great if you're able to have a conversation asking some of these questions, a chance to really think through some of these things. So do you feel your good work matters to God? Do you work to serve God? Let's open up this up as a conversation. So maybe turn to the people you like most around you and... Um,
I'm joking.